0: Hey, hey, welcome in to another episode of Stub Me Down. My name is JW, and as always, I'm here with my best friend and co-host, Skinny, who just celebrated his birthday yesterday. So from all of us here, Skinny, at Stub Me Down, happy belated birthday to you. How you doing today? Say hi to the people.
1: Hey, man, what's up? Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a good day. I, just, I spent a day at the pool. 53, man, I can't, you know, that's a lot of trips, right, around the sun.
0: You don't look a day over
1: 52. Um, My students have a hard time sometimes, man. I'm actually kind of, that's one thing I'm proud of. I still have my hair, and the kids are, like, confused about how old I really am. (laughs) Some sort of magic that is derived from Miller Lights and sunshine, but yes, thanks again. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Interesting, you sent me a text the other day saying that you were turning the same age as Jerry Garcia was when he passed away. 28 years ago. Yeah, 28 years ago. We just passed that anniversary. And my comment was, you look great.
1: (laughs) Well, Jerry looked like he was 90. I mean, you know, that's what, you know, unfiltered camel cigarettes and, you know, addiction will do too.
0: Sure. He had some habits that you uh, don't necessarily have. No, no. Well, another trip around the sun. I'm happy to be with you. And it's hard to believe that I've celebrated 23 of those birthdays with you.
1: 19 years ago yesterday my birthday was the first day at Coventry which seeing those tweets about mud socks and all that dude
0: Yeah oh yeah yeah that shit was crazy right It was crazy
1: i can't believe number 1 like kind of not survived but like you know dealt <laughs> dealt with that and yeah. then you know here it is almost 20 years later
0: Yeah it's interesting that you mentioned Coventry and not to go off on a tangent uh, not that i had anything planned to talk about Coventry but Jake Silco actually posted a couple of musical memories from there. The Jabu and the Melt, I think, was one, or the ACDC bag, I think. And, you know, when you go back, obviously you remember the train wreck that the whole event was, and then I think the curtain width that they fucked up at the encore, which kind of left, you know, everybody with a bad taste in their mouth. Despite the circumstances. As well as the porta potties. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, just the whole thing was a debacle. But there were some. Musical moments worth re-listening to, if you know you've gotten over the emotional issues of being there and and the band breaking up. Um, obviously, they're back and things are things are all good in Fish World. Skinny, last episode of Stummy Down, episode eight, we had our buddy Scott Mitchell from Fan Designs join us. That was a lot of fun talking to him. He stubbed us down on Fish from October 9th, 1994, at the Palumbo Center in Pittsburgh, which I thought was a great 1994 show. Had a lot of flavor of what the 94 sound was. Some great highlights, not to bore you again with those stats, but the Runaway Gym Foam that they opened, they have done that 55 times over the band's career. There was a curtain with no width that they played. A really crazy split open and melt my favorite of the show yeah super frantic and discombobulated and unsettling and all of the things that you like from a good melt and then the squirming coil this version was on a live one so a very cool thing for him to see at his first show there and then the second set a real nice bowie opened a 22 minute yam we had the amazing grace uh, which they sang without mics and nobody can hear on the relisten. But you know, it was a hoist heavy show. Hoist had just come out that year, so there's a Julius in there. And, and you know, not that I have any problem with hoist these days back then. I didn't think it was very good. But it was cool to, to hear about Scott's first experience. and I mean, you know, here he is 29 years later, still seeing the band and has expanded into fan designs, which is a, an awesome community merch provider, man. He's got some great gear.
1: I like talk to him about his process. You know, again, it's like uh, when we talk to people on the show, guests or whatever, whatever their process is for whatever it is they do that's, you know, community-based or related to the music that we see. And it's what makes all that completely different and then not knowing really how somebody that would fiddle around with graphic design would start coming up with these concepts and then actually make them influential. I thought it was really interesting and poignant how he said... He was humbled by, you know, the things he does when people recognize that. I mean, I, I think in, in one way or the other, especially nowadays, somebody wants to be recognized for something. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. And it is, I think when it does happen, you would hope your first reaction would be like Scott's. It's just right. like gratitude and humbled. So that's what came across for me. And I, yeah, it was really great to have him on, you know, quick. Side note about Scott, he was really hesitant to come on the show. He's like, people aren't going to want to listen to me. And I'm like, I'm the one that... A
0: little peer pressure.
1: Luckily, it all worked out. (laughs) Uh, And Scott was on. So yeah, it was an awesome episode. Yeah,
0: One of the things that I really took away from it was how he talked about his creating pins as a medium and uh, you go to a show, right? Everybody's got t-shirts and artwork and posters and every kind of medium that you can, you know, blown glass, right? And his preferred medium is, Pins. And he created that diesel driver pin for Spafford. And um, we actually posted a selection of some of the pins that he made on our Instagram. But I just thought it was cool. You know, he gets his start in kind of the pun based t shirts. And he did send us the character zero.
1: It's not that bad of a shirt.
0: I mean, I would wear bad. it just. Just for the conversation piece, right?
1: We're gonna have to post that maybe too on like IG or something. That's just really, yeah, funny. yeah.
0: Well, we might want to make sure that's okay with him. So <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody steals that idea.
1: We'll have to put it out, and it'll be a big sell.
0: Well, he said it was posted for six months, and he didn't, <laughs> he didn't sell a single shirt. So, we'll we'll be the we'll be the first to maybe he can put you know jw and skinny on the back or something like that and actually the last thing i'll mention about that is scott also shared with us in a text thread a picture of a guy who saw our post with the pins on ig and sent scott a picture of his hat with a bunch of scott's pins on the hat (laughs) hey that guy thanks for listening number one if you did and number two the hat looks pretty dope. Skinny. today, I can't believe it, man. This is the penultimate episode of our fourth season. I can't believe that we have... Uh,
1: That's what penultimate means?
0: Yeah, like, second to last.
1: Oh, it does? Yeah.
0: Really? You didn't know
1: that? I guess oh, no. It's like a vocabulary word. I forgot.
0: Well, you've been out of school. <laughs> this season has been awesome. We have talked to a number of very cool people and... Made some new friends along the way. Today, Skinny is going to be another addition to that list of new friends and awesome people. So, today we are going to be joined by Megan from HF Pod, who is involved in a whole bunch of stuff. Megan is on a podcast about Snarky Puppy called Things of Gold. She is instrumental in HF Pod. She is doing pre show events for poor Osiris. I mean, she is busy and we are so grateful to welcome in to Stummy Down. Megan, how are you?
2: Hey guys, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, we're excited to have you on. Did you notice? uh, Well, they wouldn't notice because we talked, but Josh didn't want to say your last name.
2: I know. (laughs) No one does. Nobody gets it right. (laughs) Nobody does. It's okay.
0: I I can only call him Jake Jolly, um, who's the Fox Sports producer that puts like Fish and the Grateful Dead in like NFL broadcast. And I mean, I probably butchered his name every single time I said it. I was like, we're just going to talk. We'll just call him Jake from Fox Sports. But
2: (laughs) yeah, maybe I can be like one of those people that just has one name. You know, I'll just go by Megan. You know,
0: (laughs) well, for a long time, I thought your last name was
2: dance. I mean, there you go. Because of your (laughs) your Twitter handle.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm so glad we connected. We saw you in New York. So, you know, it's just been great sometimes, especially with us, either you meet the person online and, you know, we we go back and forth and we connect, but be able to finally meet you in person in New York and kind of say, hey, like we, you know, we really want to have you on the show. So again, you know, gratitude is is definitely at the top of our list. So we we can't uh, wait to talk about today. And uh, we're just glad you're here. Thank you.
2: Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. That was so fun meeting you. It was such a great night. That was the first Friday of MSG. And so appreciate you guys coming by. We had like a little HF pod happy hour. And man, vibes were high that day. It was so fun. It was the excitement, the anticipation. It was just and meeting you guys was just part of that for me. So it was awesome.
0: Yeah, everybody came into that with uh, just bubbling with excitement and positivity. So that was a that was a great night. I will also mention Megan that like Skinny and I, you are a teacher. um, Oh, yeah, that's right. Summer vacation is winding down. (laughs) So I will, I I go back on Friday. So I will first offer my condolences uh, and I will also say best of luck to the upcoming school year. What do you teach?
2: Thank you. I teach third grade. And yeah, I know exactly how you feel. It's the best age. I, I do really love third graders, but. You know, it's like the end of the summer is like the Sunday scaries.
0: Yeah, Sunday scaries for like three weeks. I started to have like visions of work, you know, in the middle of the night, probably around August 1st, (laughs) as soon as you're a couple weeks out.
2: It's the worst. Yeah, you start to see like the spreadsheets that you have to fill out and like, you know, you don't make name labels probably because you teach older kids, right? What grades do you two teach?
1: I teach eighth grade and I've been doing that for a long time. I've taught sixth and freshman, but... You know eighth grade they think they're smarter than me it's that age and i'm like all right
2: well i have an eighth grader too so i have a daughter going into eighth grade so i know all about them yeah that's that's awesome my
1: oldest is going into eighth we're going to start a teaching podcast with megan
2: (laughs) (laughs) that will really no one will listen to that wow yeah
0: i'm a high school teacher i am a program coordinator for a college and career readiness program but because of our teacher shortage, they have assigned me back to the classroom for a couple of periods of this upcoming school year, which not happy. I have been out of the classroom for 10 years, so it's been it's been quite a while, and I was in the classroom for ten years before wow. that, so my career in this school district has been pretty balanced, but nonetheless uh, I am not looking forward to the end of the week,
1: but way to bring it down, dude. <laughs>
2: Yeah, seriously.
0: Way to bring it down, but no, there's there's like all this other music that's coming up, so I'm I'm just trying to work. Is basically just going to be what I fill my time with between concerts. So,
2: Yeah, same.
0: <laughs> Megan is going to be stubbing us down today on a show that she has chosen. So we're going to get to that in a couple of minutes. But Megan, can you talk a little bit about your time with HF Pod, how you got involved there? And then the thing that I really have taken notice of is the Osiris happy hour and the pre-show things that you guys are doing that are also associated with artists and musicians and bands and having that opportunity for that direct link. So talk a little bit about your involvement with HF Pod and, and kind of how some of that has grown in the last couple of years as far as especially those like live events.
2: Yeah, it's definitely been a journey and one that I'm just so grateful to be on. I was a huge fan forever. And then during quarantine, got super into podcasts and was just listening to a lot of music podcasts when I was walking my dog. We had nothing to do. And I was listening to a lot of HF Pod, and I just kind of fell in love with those guys. You know, they're just – it's like you're hanging out with those nerdy fish guys. And, you know, I just – I really loved it. And so you you can relate. Yeah. And so I just reached out to them because they were talking about the Europe 96 tour. And they said, you know, if anybody's been on this tour, we would love to talk to you because we don't know anybody who's been on the tour. And I was on the tour, and I was 19 when I went. And so I had journals and pictures, and I reached out to RJ. And I was like, hey, I have all this stuff. And he was like, do you want to come on and do like a little – Facebook live thing and we can show your pictures and you can tell your stories and I was like do I ever you know I was like yes Amazing. and I yeah and I literally prepared for it like it was the biggest job interview of my life like spent so much time prepping for it and I had the best time doing it the guys were so nice and so then I just kind of begged to come on all the time when we had when music came back in 21 so I would see shows and then email them and be like I just saw the show can I come talk about it like on a quick hit and they let me back on a few times, and then they kind of shut it down when they went to do Undermine. And when they brought it back for the summer tour just doing quick hits, I reached out to them and I said, hey, I don't know if you guys are going to fully close this again, but I think you should bring it back, and I think I should be on it, <laughs> as like a permanent host. I just asked. And RJ tells the story that I sent them like a very long teacher email with like bullet points, and <laughs> RJ said they like read it, and they were like, okay, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> I thought it'd be cool to have a female perspective, you know? And so that was kind of my main angle and all the HF pod guys, all the Osiris people, everyone in this community at large has been so supportive of me and, Getting my stuff out there, and so I'm just really thankful and grateful, and, and it's just kind of ballooned from there. You know, I've been able to do some really cool stuff with Brian Weinstein, and um, we did flocking outside about Goose, which I'm really proud of. Great, by the way. Yeah, thanks. We oh, that was so fun. Yeah, that started as a conversation between Brian Weinstein and I, where I was trying to get him to like Goose, and he was like, "Well, why don't you come on the podcast and try to convince me?" I'm like, "Well, I'm going to need backup for that." So then I brought <laughs> Brian Brinkman on. We just had the best time doing that. It was so it was a stretch for me to talk about Goose in that way, and it was real honor and it was just really really fun and i had a great time doing that
0: and where is brian with his goose fandom
2: <laughs> to say that we succeeded would be a stretch right but to say that we opened his mind to the possibility of goose i think we did that yeah. and so you know i think that he's oh i think he'll see them again i think that is fair to say yeah so
0: that's all you can ask for
2: um that's all you can ask but it was great to work with him Love Brian Weinstein, love attendance bias. And yeah, and the rest of the stuff has just kind of fallen into place. Ryan Storm's been awesome and asked me to do uh, Things of Gold with him, which I've really loved about Snarky Puppy. And that's been interesting because I'm learning about that band as we're going through the process, which has been fun.
0: So you weren't like a Snarky Puppy like fan? He was just like, hey, yeah. come, come and do a podcast about Snarky Puppy with me.
2: How it evolved was he wanted to do this podcast about Snarky Puppy, but the band and the record label really wants to introduce them to kind of the jam community. Hmm. And so we thought it'd be cool if we had a podcast where someone from that world was learning about them through listening to their shows and talking about it. Yeah, so that's kind of the whole, the way that we've set it up the structure. And it's been really fun. I've learned a lot and yeah, it's been great. And the live events that you asked about are just, That has been probably the thing that I like doing the most, actually. They're just so fun. It's so awesome to be in a room with people that listen to the podcast and that are supporters and also just supporters of new music. And so getting, like, these incredible musicians together and giving them a platform and watching them play together and just the talent is incredible and getting to interview people, like, Just getting to interview Tom Marshall was a a once-in-a-lifetime experience for me. I mean, that was like last summer at AC when I got to interview him. I I
0: was at that. I was at that event.
2: Were you? Oh, we didn't meet. That's so sad.
0: He told the character Zero story. Yeah.
2: It was amazing. That was like a moment where my 17-year-old self was just like, what is your life? You know, how has this happened? You know, it was just it was awesome. So those events have been amazing and they're I just I hope we can continue to grow that because it's been really really fun and we had one um the last day it's kind of our 10th anniversary party the last day of MSG and it was just so special and so great to be there and
0: yeah, yeah it's just
2: I love doing that I love being on stage that was my background I was an actor before I was a teacher so for me that's like it's full circle for me I love it
0: well you still have to use some of those acting skills when you teach too I'm sure
1: <laughs> I'm gonna act like I don't hate you right now yeah <laughs>
2: All the time. All the time. Yeah. You're like preparing on your own and then you're bringing it in and then other people are influencing what's happening. Yeah. So much of that. Right.
1: It's like Shakespeare in the round every period. For sure. (laughs) It's hilarious.
2: Yeah, exactly. Captive audience too. I'm like, you have to listen to me.
0: What was your kind of entry into the jam scene you mentioned you went to the europe 96 tour where was your entry in was did you start with fish tell us a little bit about your musical background
2: yeah well it all started with the grateful dead for me
0: okay that's
2: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a midwesterner who had a crush on you know a bunch of older boys who are seniors and i was a sophomore and they were you know those lacrosse playing Grateful Dead loving Midwestern boys in the mid nineties. And I just, I was like, whatever I have to do to hang out with them, I'll do it. And they opened me up to the Grateful Dead and it just took on a life of its own. I was like, I don't even need you guys anymore. I was just so into the Grateful Dead. And, you know, I got to see Jerry 12 times. Um, Cause I first saw oh, wow. him in 93. So I was like, just at the bitter end, you know I I didn't realize it was sad. It's kind of like, I imagine what it would have been like if you're like a 2.0 person in Fish and you you didn't realize that like it wasn't a great time for Fish because like you were so happy to get to see them. That's kind of how it was for me with the Dead. Like right. you know, I knew it wasn't amazing. You know, I like I sat through a lot of like a lot of Vince songs. No, you I know, know what, what I mean. you mean. Yeah, the Jerry was struggling. Yeah,
1: there were certain pockets where it was kind of all right. Ninety three that you mentioned. No wonder you felt that yeah. joy because I remember ninety three being a pretty strong year. I mean, Jerry was clean to whatever end that meant. I mean, I don't know him personally. So when we say these things, I always kind of measure myself about like, (laughs) I have no inner workings other than what I've read or witnessed. But it did fall off. I remember in 94, 95. And like, I feel bad now. We had friends that kind of joked about it, even after he passed, where it was like, Jerry was in line with like an unfiltered camel and a chocolate milkshake. And he passed out and that was the end of <laughs> it. I mean, you
2: know. No, exactly. And and I think that it's like, it to me, it was like more about the experience too. Like it opened up this Pandora's box about music and about this way to travel the, the country, right? And be on this adventure. You know, I, I went on dead tour for two summers and like, it was just so magical for me. And, and it was just such a way to meet people and, open my world up. You know, I lived in Michigan where everybody looked the same and everybody did the same thing. And this was kind of like a way to expand that in a way that I just found really magical. And, and that led me to fish. Someone gave me Rift and in like 94, and I just thought it was awesome. And, and I think for me, it was a chance to have my own kind of generations music. You know, it was kind of like the Grateful Dead. I always felt like I was watching it from, you know, from a removed point. And this, was awesome. I saw my first show on November 14th, 1994 in my hometown in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it was insane. They like opened with My Friend, My Friend and jammed it out. There's like a jammed out cavern with lawn boy quotes in it and amazing Bowie. And it was so aggressive and energetic and they were engaging with us so much. And I was just, you know, when you saw The Grateful Dead at that point, it was very like stargazy. Like they were just kind of like singing to the rafters. Jerry was on this whole other place. And here was this band like looking us right in the eye, like, you know, doing this like acoustic solo where they were like making jokes with the audience about mandolins. And, you know, it just felt very like present. And it was so, it just blew my mind. So, yeah. I mean, I decided to go to college out West so I could see the Grateful Dead out West because that was a dream of mine. And then Jerry died that summer when I turned 18.
1: Where were you going to college out there?
2: Uh, University of Arizona.
1: I mean, that would be a good spot, you know, to to land to try to go see some more Grateful Dead, I mean.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to go up to California. And and so I, d- I got to go see like, I think it was, they called it Rat Dog at that point. Those two shows that Bob did like in the fall of 95, the first shows in San Francisco. And that was just amazing and emotional. And so I got to see something like that. But I saw a lot of fish out west instead.
1: <laughs> Speaking of stats, I'm definitely not checking yours. I always say to Josh, like, You know i just happened to hit a pocket because i was a senior in high school you know in the late 80s so you know so i caught 87 until the end and i'm always just like i'm thankful for what i got and i was a young kid too so i was looking for adventure i wasn't really looking for a career or anything like that i just wanted to work like see the grateful dead or other live music and hang out with my friends which we all know leads to a podcast
2: (laughs) just steal what I want to do. It's kind of weird.
1: You know, 50 years old, but anywho, all. I love the way that you kind of expanded about, like, why you were doing what you were doing then, because that was my question. We kind of had a tendency to, like, steal each other's questions sometimes, but mine was like, where, where did you get your genesis? Great story.
0: Jerry died about six or eight months after I first heard Truckin and Casey Jones, and I was like, wow, this is fun. Packing up to go to college, and I think I had you know, Long Strange, Trevor, you know, Greatest Hits. I don't, I don't even American remember. Beauty, yeah, something probably. like that that I got in BNG CD Club or Columbia House or whatever that it was and then he died and I was like, dude. No way. So, yeah, yeah. But the music lives on. Here's another bringing it down. Let's <laughs> I know. This is supposed to be I a know, good it's supp- time. It's supposed to be positive. But hey, you know what? These things happen and, um, uh, you're fine. Yeah. I think it's also like, Look at the impact that Jerry's had on people, you know, even after he died. You know, I never saw him live, but I absolutely love every everything Grateful Dead and JGB and, you know, when he did Garcia Grissman and, and all of that stuff. And it's influenced my life greatly, um, even though I never saw him play. So my friends like Skinny like to give me some shit from time to time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, that's the only thing that's good about being old is getting to throw that shit in people's faces. Yeah. But I yeah, no I definitely doubt. think that, like, Jerry's experience, though, did influence people. I think that, like, when Trey got sober, I can't imagine that he didn't think about Jerry and what happened and think about, like, if he wanted that to happen to him or not.
1: Within that pocket where Jerry was starting to have troubles, I mean, and that was from really, you think, like, you know, when you read about him 80 to the end, it was just yes. like a roller coaster. But that again is, is addiction. So I might have a question for you, Megan, because I, I wanted to ask somebody this, but I just haven't this year. We're, we're all making the rounds and we're all talking about this sometimes. Do you feel like maybe music podcasts are somehow getting like a little saturated, oversaturated, it's just enough? Or like, I can't imagine I'm ruining our show right now. anybody
2: <laughs>
1: anybody wants to listen to me like for an hour talk about Fish, the Grateful Dead, or whatever. but here we are.
2: well, it's an interesting question, especially because like as I've just kind of entered into this world, I've been in it now for almost two years, and to me, it seems somewhat new. You know, I look at someone like r j who's been you know podcasting for ten years, and my perspective on it is we're all looking to connect. Everybody wants connection and everybody wants to, any way that we can find ways to learn more about each other and hear each other's stories is valuable. And so much of our time is spent doing things we don't want to do when you're an adult. (laughs) I mean, it's just (laughs) outrageous. And I think that getting to do laundry or ride your bike or commute while you listen to people tell stories about things that you connect to is important. And I think storytelling is so important and what's awesome to me about podcasting as a medium is that you know to tell a story before podcasting you had to have like a book published and that there's so many barriers to that you know and i think about how many stories have been told through podcasting because that barrier has been lowered so much and you know yeah are there a lot of them out there but guess what you don't have to listen to them if you don't want to
1: true like the radio
2: yeah it's just for me it's like how awesome that we have a platform now where people can just pick up a microphone and tell stories and we can connect and make new friends and hear more about what makes us all human. And, and I, to me, it's just been an incredible, incredible medium. And I'm just so fortunate that I found it and people have allowed me to continue to do it because I love it.
1: It's awesome. I mean, I don't know, is that, that might be one of our most perfect answers we've ever had on this podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow, no pressure. I'm not
1: kidding you, I'm just saying. Yeah, I was. <laughs>
0: I think one of the things that's interesting about that, Megan, is a lot of the, you know, like our podcast, I know Attendance Bias and there were a lot of others that started, you know, in the wake of the pandemic um, or the beginning of it because we did lose that connection and we couldn't go see music. Right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that was what got us started. But even as music has returned, that kind of online community has really moved into the in real life community, right? Like catch up with you. We try and see Brian whenever we're in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we see Kevin from Wook Plus awesome. at local Baltimore shows. And, you know, so there's that real sense of community that, yes, it kind of started online, but it really has bled out into real life and at shows. And it's fun to, to see those people and to run into people and meet new friends. And we do all share that kind of same love of the scene we've talked about this with other people you know there's all these subgroups in you know the fish community right you've got the vendors you've got the the fellowship you've got all these different little subcategories and I feel like the podcasting community is is one of those Nerds we're, we're nerds and we're happy to <laughs> happy to be a part of it in any respect.
2: For me too, it's been that's what's been so awesome is that you know I used to go to fish shows with like my college friends or now I have this like girl squad of like women that I've met that are into fish that I didn't know until you know five years ago. And that's been awesome, but I was always kind of in my own little bubble. And now I just feel like I know so many people and I get to meet so many people and people come up to me and say things. And it's just, it's made the universe so much bigger for me and feel so much more connected. And and to me, it's just become incredible. It's like, yeah. it's so funny because everybody's like, Twitter's dead, but I like just joined. And so I'm like, what? it's like you show up to a party and you're like, and someone's like, man, this party sucks. And you're like, but I just got here. I don't know, It's I'm having a beer, I'm having an okay time. So it's just so funny to me that like everybody's like, Twitter's over and podcasting is saturated. It's like, no, it's just people like to like shit on stuff when it gets like big and, and joyful. You know, I don't know. I just, yeah.
0: well, that's me. My
2: whole experience has been so like positive and, and, and I guess because it's new for me, but it's been really exciting. Yeah. I love how everyone's been so supportive and the podcasting kind of universe is just everybody's been so nice to me and, and so welcoming. And I just can't say it enough. And I'm so grateful to be a part of it and to, And to get to know everybody in in these ways and have all these new friends, it's awesome.
0: (laughs) I was just going to say a lot of credit to you because you have a lot of great insight and we talked about this uh, before we hit record, but you're kind of dipping your toe into some stats stuff. So I feel like there's a good contribution that you're bringing to the table and you know, that's got to be fun and, and rewarding as well. It's definitely cool to see, you know, people coming in, sharing their thoughts on a variety of of music, right? And I think our show today is going to kind of reveal us maybe not as fish heavy as we maybe started out, Skinny. Mm.
1: I was just about to say that. Now you're giving it away, you know.
2: Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: Hey, if you're new to Stub Me Down, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. The premise of the show is that Skinny and I have been to a lot of concerts over the years and we pull a ticket stub at random from those shows and use that concert as a jumping off point to talk about our friendship, the funny things that happen along the way, obviously the music that we've seen over 24 years of being friends. This season we have had... As I mentioned before, a number of great guests come on to stub us down. So Megan is going to be pulling the stub today. So we're really excited for that. Skinny, anything before we get to Megan's show?
1: Yes. <laughs> I usually say no, and then I say something. So yes. Just because Josh said penultimate today to me, just want to thank everybody that's been on today. Scott, RJ, Tim from Wook Plus. God, who am I missing?
0: Ryan. Ryan Storm.
1: Oh yeah, Ryan Storm. Shit,
0: my Uncle John.
1: Yeah, Uncle John. So I just wanted to make sure that we thanked all those people because every time we have somebody on, Megan, you included already, is uh, it's just such a blast, and we're we're kind of um, I don't know, maybe onto something. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we get tired of talking to each other after after a minute. All right, Megan from HF Pod, are you ready to stub me and Skinny down today?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right, right on. What show do you have for us?
2: Wow, we're stretching out a little bit. We're flocking outside today. We are going to the Goose Show on March 12th, 2023 at the Capitol Theater.
0: Ooh, okay. So I have to say... One thing here, first of all, it's a Sunday show. Not know that. This okay. was the fifth of a five-show run at the Cap. Did you go to all five of those shows?
2: No, I just went to this show. We had an Osiris event that okay. afternoon that I can talk a little bit about, and then I went to this show.
0: Okay, did you go to the Arebolo? Am I saying that right? Arebolo.
2: Yeah. People were lined up so early for that. It was so exciting, and Tom Marshall and RJ interviewed... The guys from Arevalo, so jeff and peter and rick and that conversation you can look for it and you can listen to it it's incredible rick talks so openly about songwriting and their process and they talk about the lyrics and just being a band and how much they've grown and this is kind of like a follow-up to a conversation that they had with rj and tom in 2019 and god how much had changed in those four years right sure. and So it was just exciting to hear that conversation and then to watch them play in Garcia's before. I had a very dramatic afternoon because You know, I'd said to RJ, I'm coming. If you need any help setting up, just let me know. And Ryan Storm was there too. And of course, Ryan was like wanting to get in early. And he's like, if you need help, you know, let me know. Me me and Ryan are like, we're here. We're ready to help.
1: Load these chairs.
2: Exactly. You know, do you need something? And so, you know, RJ's like, I'm good. I'm good. So anyway, I get in there with my girlfriends and I'm like over on one side of the stage. And I see Ryan over there with this video camera, like recording the event. And he looks stressed out and I get a text from RJ and it's like, do you know how to turn a video camera on? And I'm thinking, I mean, I would hope so.
0: He is young. You know? He is yeah. young, And
2: I'm like, I would hope so. <laughs> I also haven't used a video recorder in a very long time, to be honest. So he's like, Ryan can't get it. You have to help him. And I'm like, okay. So then I move through the crowd who have been there for hours to get good seats. And they're all looking at me like, Who's this? You know, what?
1: Oh, I know what they're saying.
2: I'm elbowing my way through and like, like- Who's
1: this bitch? <laughs>
2: who's this bitch, right? And I'm trying to be like, I'm just sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then I go over there and I go over to the section with like Peter's mom and Peter's girlfriend and like, you know, all, but like a bunch of the moms and girlfriends and they're all looking at me like, probably like, <laughs> who's this bitch? And um, even though they're all very nice, Ryan's looking very stressed at the video camera. And so I get up there and I try, and I can't get it either.
1: Ooh, was that like a camcorder?
2: It was a camcorder, and we cannot get it. And I'm there's this button on the back that's like rectangular, and it has like a red thing on it. And I'm like, this must be it. And I'm like, I can't figure it out. Neil from Almost Always There was there, and he was trying to think. Should we look up the ma- like look up the manual? Like, what should we do? It was very stressful. And I'm texting RJ like, we can't get it. <laughs> and he's like, it's fine. So he comes on stage. So I yell at Ryan. I'm like pull up your phone right now and like Ryan's there like holding it like up like he's going to record it from his phone because like this is historical. This is like a not playing small rooms like this anymore. Yeah, right, this is right. Big deal. So he's recording it. I finally have like a moment where I'm like, okay, I think I know how to get it on actually. So I get it. I, I go up and I'm looking at it. I'm turning it on. I'm climbing on to the bar at this point. It was very awkward. I get <laughs> the turned on and then I can't figure out how to make it record. Oh <laughs> And I'm just freaking out the whole time, feeling like I've totally failed. And then finally, like three minutes in, maybe actually like 10 minutes in, I realized that button on the back was the record button. So I climb up, I press record, and I'm like, I did it. And I hit Ryan. I'm like, you can stop. And so on the footage from that, the like unedited footage, you see Ryan turn around and I'm like, I give him like, I got it. And he looks so relieved. It's like hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. So we, we had a stressful afternoon, but that event was amazing. And so I was so excited for that event. And then just really really excited for the show because i've been following the run and it was you know this run for goose this is pretty historical you know the grateful dead used to do runs at the cap
0: phil lesh has played a lot there played the weekend after actually with rick
2: with rick yeah like this is a very important music venue it's like playing at the beacon or you know and just do five nights sold out there is just it was a statement and so excited to actually be there and see the show that night
0: yeah
1: even, you know, the beginning of the season and, and last summer's Radio City run. And and that's where, so we started picking up a little bit more. I saw them at uh, the Chrysalis and Merriweather. And then we went to Tab Goose and Redding and then the Met and now Peach Festival. And all I see is the rocket ship just continuing into the stratosphere. What I'm glad about is at an older age, like I really like these guys. Like, I like where they're going, what they're doing. And I love the music and I love the lyrics. Like, we've talked about that before. You know, obviously the songwriting piece that you're talking about with Rick. Whatever his process is, it works for me. And whatever the haters are saying out there, I don't listen to them because I'm really having a a really good time listening to them. And when I see them, I'm ecstatic. Peach Festival, we crossed paths, but I didn't see you there. Man, I had a fantastic time at that Thursday night show.
2: What a show just to open up the festival like that. Vibes were so high. That was really interesting because we got to spend the afternoon there hanging out, which is like the first day of the festival. So fun. I couldn't go to the rest of the festival. I had a family vacation. But it was great. Jeff from the band was out hanging out with everybody in the crowd, just like milling around. Like This band is so accessible in a way that I think is really modern and really one of the reasons I really like them because they're really interested in their fan base. They know the importance of engaging with their fan base, whether it's on Twitter or listening to podcasts about them, or they're just really smart and um, interested in having a relationship with their fan base, which is something I think they're probably learning from Fish because I think that's something that Fish just does on a di- in a different way but fish has always you know understood the importance of their fan base and cultivated a relationship with them and i think that that is something that goose is doing really well and appreciating and and it was so fun that show at the peach that i thought the energy was incredible and it wasn't crazy packed like i was in the yeah. pavilion and we could all dance in like the hallway like the aisles of the pavilion it was just like great vibes and their energy is just i love seeing goose
1: yeah, I do, too. I, I I just really think they're fantastic, especially after seeing that show. So, you know, I thought this was really fun to listen to today.
0: They are definitely, I think, a band quickly rising. There was a lot of jokes when Trey did the Radio City gig, and then they did the Reading show was the one we were at, but they did the Tab Goose tour. Rick played with Phil and Friends, we mentioned, when Phil played at the Cap the following weekend. So I think there's a lot of respect for their music. What do you think makes Goose have that little maybe extra flair, or what is it that makes Goose? I don't want to call them the next, right? Like they're they're existing in the same world as as Fish and you know any other band. They're not you know the next. I didn't think Fish was you know the next Grateful Dead. They were just their own. Thing Right. But people see it in in, in a different way. Um, But what do you think sets them apart from maybe some of the other bands that have been around for the same time or longer just in the scene?
2: For me personally, and this is just my opinion, there are very few bands that I listen to that crack open this world for me. The Grateful Dead did it. I felt like I could study their lyrics. Their music was just expansive. I also learned about other bands through the Grateful Dead. You know, like Bob Dylan, I learned about through the Grateful Dead, right? Like Americana folk music, like I learned all about that through the Grateful Dead. Fish, same thing. I didn't know about the Velvet Underground. I didn't know about Talking Heads until I was listening to Fish. Yep. And Fish cracked open that for me and Fish was a band who I looked at their lyrics and I thought about their music and I their music was complex enough for me to like, you know, analyze it and dig into it and That's how it's been with Goose. And I haven't found another band like that since Fish. Goose has got me listening to The National, Bonnie Vare, Vampire Weekend, all of this indie rock from like the early 2000s, mid 2000s. And also like having me listen back and think a lot about like 80s Peter Gabriel and like all these like, you know, Genesis, these classic gated drums, you know, really big like synth sounds and. Auto tune and you know all this stuff that that Goose is pulling from because their influences are different. And to me, what makes a band like legendary or next level is their ability to take their influences and make it their own. And that's what I see Goose doing, and that's something I haven't seen in other bands. And I just might not know about them. Like that's just might be my taste and you know my ignorance. But oh,
1: no, you just can't, you can't listen to everything. Well, yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. You can't listen to everything. And and Goose, you know their songwriting. I, I really think. Rick and Peter too now that he's working with Rick. Rick is like a one in a generation songwriting talent. I mean his lyrics, he's writing lyrics that like no like early to mid 30-year-old should be writing. A Western Sun or this old sea these songs that are just lyrically so powerful and show this kind of ability to reflect on life in a way that's super mature that just to me is something that you you're born with or you know he's just so poetic right. and it's a natural gift.
0: It's a natural gift. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry to cut you off, Megan. Did, did Rick answer any questions about how many girlfriends he stole when he was in high school?
2: <laughs> he did not. But you know what? I think that's one of the reasons why people don't like Goose is because they're attractive. I Probably. swear to God. I think it's because it's threatening and it's like, you know, the jam band scene is kind of, it's like nerdy. We're like, you know, non-threatening, <laughs> you know, there's so many dudes in the scene and I think it's non-threatening when you have a band like Fish. or-
0: Are you saying cargo shorts aren't sexy? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying anything about anybody, but I am saying that I think that Goose is – because the, the guys are good looking, it is a little bit – you know, it puts people off a little bit and it also
1: – The dudes.
2: Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, who are these fucking guys, you know? And I think that because of the whole torch thing and all that ridiculousness, I also feel like Goose has had to work extra hard against that. Like, you know, it's, they have had, when we did Flocking Outside, Brian Brinkman said, it's like, it's been an extended job interview for them. And I really think it has been. Like, every moment they've, you know, they've stepped up to the plate and blown expectations out of the water. And so that also, to me, is a band that can work well together. And they seem to have a lot of respect for each other, which is something that is so Quintessential to a band's success, you know. I don't think Fish would be around if they didn't love and respect each other. And and I get that vibe from the Goose guys, and I think that's something that that draws me to them too. So I just, I think it's a, it's like anything. It's like any magic. It's just a bunch of things that happen at the right time in the right place for them. But I think that they have a talent that is um, a step above most most bands.
1: Yeah, I'm sold. I don't, I don't need any more debate. I'm good with them.
2: Perfect.
1: Another perfect answer from Megan.
0: She's crushing it, crushing it. I will also just add real quick that this show was on my birthday.
2: No way, March 12th.
0: My wife, Megan, tried to get tickets to... This weekend, but it was ridiculously expensive. But she ended up getting tickets for Phil and Friends the following weekend. So I did get to see Rick play with Phil. So we went to the Friday and Saturday show. I hadn't seen Phil in a long time. Skinny and I toured with Phil all during the breakup, all during the hiatus. Oh, my God. We saw no way 30 or 40 Phil shows over the course of that time, traveled all over the place to see them. Wow. So it was very cool for me, and then that was also the first time I had been to the Cap, and I love that room. I can't wait to get back there. I can't wait to get back there. Yeah, I'm jealous.
2: Oh, how amazing is that venue? It's so magical. And, you know, I just, I'm a huge Janis Joplin fan. And she wrote, you know, Mercedes Benz at Garcia's and then sat yeah. on that stage and played that song for the first time. There, That room is super special. There's just, it's one of those incredible yeah. venues in this country. And I just, every time I walk in that place, I feel lucky. It's just, it's so cool. And I felt that way that whole day. The staff there is great. There's just yeah. such a beauty and an elegance to that venue. And you know, I couldn't get a ticket either. RJ had to get me a ticket to this show. So
0: it's good to have friends.
2: <laughs> I had to beg RJ, you know, I was like, I'll come and work the video camera. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> so I, I had, had to I had to beg RJ. So I get it that it was a hard ticket. It's probably that's why I didn't see any of the other ones. It was a hard ticket to get. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, even just getting a hold of the Met ticket, like we had to get on those early. I, I got that for Christmas for my wife and was like, yeah. Oh, shit, I can't wait till March because I just seen them. Yeah. I
0: think that that's one of the interesting things about them. We were trying to get tickets. We ended up getting them, but for the July third and fourth shows at the Stone Pony, they were sitting at you know hundred bucks basically per ticket for the third, and um, eventually they came down, and I nabbed a couple for a reasonable mm-hmm. price. But the fact that tickets are getting bought up like that that quickly is, I think, speaks to you know the level of interest that they've drawn. Okay, now skinny you can go on the set there.
1: <laughs> I like how I had something to say and then you had something to say. We could just build this into yeah, the entire we show. I should make it a part that. of
0: the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, set 1 from Port Chester, New York. 312-23 goose starts up with Time to Flee, Indian River, Honeybee, Jeff Engborg, it burns within and then ends the set with a crushing butter rum. Right off the top, I'll just say this, because i he's probably my favorite member of the band. Trevor just dominates like seven minutes into this thing, since you were there tell me with Phil and Mike those I don't even call them bass bombs they're like floor vibrators where it just like it's almost like a laser beams getting shot through everybody's chest right out of the box he does that I watched him a lot when I was at the peach festival I just think the guy is I don't know if he's underrated or rated but he should be super rated based on the way that you know he holds it down I I really think he's all over this time to flip.
2: Yeah, he's incredible. He has, like, a really rounded edges way of playing bass that is softer but hits really deeply in a way that I really love. And moments that he get, that he pulls out in the mix are always, like, my favorite. I always want the bass players yeah. to be turned up in the mix. Like, that's I always am complaining that Mike's not loud enough. I just, I'm a, I love to dance, so the rhythm section is, like, where it's at for me. And I'm always, like, wanting them pulled up. And when I listen back to this show, there were a lot of moments when Trevor just comes through really strongly in the mix, and it's just, like... one thing that Goose does so well is texture. And I think that that starts from him, right? You can't build a texture unless it starts from the ground up. And he's just, sure oh, he's so good. Yeah, I think that this whole opening is, it's such a, it's kind of a cute nod, like it's time to flee. It's the last night, you know, and I, and I, I love that they just kind of are willing to open up right away. Just push it out, give it a little mini jam, have like a nice peek. You've got Jeff coming in with just killer percussion. There's just such a, a layeredness to this band and and i i thought the opening was awesome i it blew me away we got rj and i had like a ridiculous time before the show we got to go backstage and do the power up with the guys where you like put your hand in oh that's awesome it was was so special and amazing to see how excited they all were before their last night and then we got to spend the show in this like little box this is going to really like further jam band illuminati rumors
1: you know it was my birthday yesterday i've never gotten anything like this (laughs)
2: <laughs> Listen, I've never, ever been backstage before at any show I've been to except for this one. So I'm just going to say that there. But yeah, it was crazy. And so we were up at this little, like, the kind of, like, observation boxes up there. And it was so funny because we were with all of the, the moms, basically, and, and us. And if you know anything about me and RJ at a show, you know we get the fuck down. And so we were, like, dancing like crazy. And the usher was like you can dance up here, but you can't be at the seats. You have to be, like, up against this curtain. And we were like, that's fine. We can roll there. And I remember after this, this opener, I just, like, took this breath. And I was just like, wow, RJ, like, that is how you open a show. Yeah,
0: what a way to start the show. I mean, coming out of the gates. And, you know, the crowd, like, super gets into it. And, you know, there's a little, like, they're singing along. And, I mean, it's just a raging jam. And then they flawlessly bring back the time to flee riff and yes. and that's one thing that i when i evaluate bands in my you know what whatever my set of parameters is one of them is that you're a
1: music journalist uh, just say I, that from now on am i yeah. yeah i don't know i don't know
0: that's <laughs> but the the way that they flow from a jam out of you know wherever they started and then you know the segs not I mean, they're within the same tune, right? The smoothness to which they returned to this. I mean, you can just hear the crowd kind of breathe collectively like, holy shit, that was so awesome in that last three, four minutes of this. Really? And, you know, it's funny, Men- Megan, you mentioned the it's the end of the run and it's time to flee. And then the line in Indian River that I really like is, time don't hold us for that long. I really love the connection there and then the Indian river that's like a tale of two tunes like right in the middle of that they switch to this uplifting spirited jam big
1: piano there
2: yeah, yeah. peter but amazing. before
0: that it's a little bit more introspective and you know the emotion in the the music itself is you know I think really matches that you know, time don't hold us for very long segment, and that connects back to the time to flee. And So I just really like the combination of those two, and you're talking about 35 minutes of music to start the show, which, I mean, boom.
2: It's crazy, and I think that I'm glad you brought up that that return to the riff and the refrain, because that's always stood out to me about Goose. They can do that in different ways for different songs too, whether it's out of a jam, out of a peak, you know, them finding that out of a groove. They're so good at that. I think they do this better than any band that I know of. Find that riff back in. It never sounds forced or ripcorded. It always sounds just super, super smooth. And Rick is really great at finding those moments to come back, and, and it is kind of epic, and this song, I knew that was gonna be the line that you said that you love because my God, well, I forget the time don't hold us for that long. It is so timeless. And there's so many of these that Goose has that yeah. these moments that are, these lyrics that just knock me off my feet. Just take my breath away. Yeah. You know, this song is off Moon Cabin and it came out in 2016. And I listened to this a lot when I was first getting into Goose because people were so sick of listening to fish over quarantine at my house. My family was like, I cannot listen to any more fish. And so I started playing Goose and they would like, yeah. tolerate it more. And so this album, you know, kept coming up on like Spotify. And so I was listening to this a lot and it's just it, this song is, it's beautiful. It has such that narrative that they're so good at, you know?
0: Now my kid, my kids think Goose sounds like fish.
2: Really? Do they? Yeah. I mean...
1: I know your kids. Tell them to listen again. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I, what you are saying about how the song has two different parts, I think is something that I have found that was, it's funny because it's actually was harder for me to get into about Goose. Like sometimes I'd be like, oh, wait a bit, like in like Empress or yeah, Time to Flee, just some songs that switch on a dime and you're kind of like, wait, what's happening? Yeah,
0: a lot of changes, a right? A lot of time signature yeah.
2: changes and a lot of like things that don't, even like at the end of like Drift Field," they kind of like move into this like guitar duel that sounds kind of like, whoa, where's that coming from? But it's also very fishy you know to do that so it's like Mm -hmm. funny because the thing that kind of i wasn't super into about goose is
0: what you love what my favorite band does all the
2: time (laughs) yeah but i have gotten into it now and it's i think the trick is with those things is that for me i think what happens is when you know the music you anticipate it and so it becomes something you're waiting for so when it happens it feels satisfying
1: yeah i don't i don't disagree with anything that you say pretty much That's
2: true. All right. All right.
1: I, I'm usually the one that just goes negative.
2: Wow. You need to come and like talk to everybody in my family because I have a different experience here.
1: Sit there in the kitchen all day. They, they come back and drop it down with this honeybee, which I really like because uh, this is another thing I like about Goose, and they have a couple other songs that do this. When we talked with Ryan Storm about that show from the 930 Club a couple episodes ago, The doobie song that encores and this is kind of has that reggae lilt like i'm a sucker for i know it's usually like a sausage fest at a lot of like fish and and goose shows if you guys are thinking about like taking a lady listen to these songs also the burn within which is not about mexican food fellas it's about (laughs) their love songs I'm just trying to generate some more like buzz.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I have to tell you this honeybee. So at the Arevalo event that afternoon, Peter wrote this song and he talked about it. It's about his mom.
1: Oh, that's nice.
2: And his mom was there. And I remember like thinking like, that's so sweet. And this song is ruined for me now. Like, I totally thought this was a love song. <laughs> and then I'm like. Me too. Yeah. And also the original line of this song is one of those silence knows me better than all of this noise. Is haven't you had those moments in your life when you've like had so much inside that you couldn't share or you didn't share? And like, Mm. you know, it just it just, just resonated with me. But yeah, I think the harmonies on this between Rick and Peter too are just you hear the way that they harmonize together is incredibly beautiful. And another reason why Goose stands out to me is because their vocals are so unbelievable.
0: Yeah, that was one of the points that I had was, you know, when they hit it and just sounds so good. I think one of the things that I liked about Fish early on, believe it or not, was their harmonizing. Something like bouncing around the room. Trey's vocal stylings now, aside a little bit, when they were all in that, it sounded so good. I mean, I think Goose blows them out of the water when it comes to that. So not that we're into comparisons here.
2: <laughs> no, I think that that's one reason why Troy probably really likes them too is because they have, you know, they do some stuff that they don't do, right? And yeah. I agree. I think that, like, when Fish was into that, like, barbershop quartet stuff, it's beautiful. Like, they can do it, but they're not natural singers, those guys. You know, maybe, like, Paige, but, like... Don't get me started, Megan. Yeah, the rest of them are not. And so I think that...
0: Skinny's not a fan of the barbershop quartet. Uh-
2: yeah, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. It's me and the vocal jam. It's fine. We can't all like everything, right? It's true.
1: My mom used to take me to this place in the harbor. It was called Swenson's. And <laughs> to be a waiter there, you had to wear like the old timey like stripes with the ruffles. No and, like, way. They had, and I'm like, I guess it just continues to scare me. Anywho, i
2: you talking about my phobias. Let's, it's let's... Triggering <laughs> men for you. All
1: right, man. Well, what are we talking about next?
2: Well, I want to talk about this Jeff Emborg because this song is Jeff, the um, drummer the percussionist says, this is a song about a Jeff and it's not about him, but it's about someone I think who is in Great Blue with Peter, um, another one of Peter's bands, but this is only their fifth ever performance of this song and this to me is them dipping into their catalog for lesser played songs They did so well at this cap run you know, perfectly placed in this first set It's so funky and if you know anything about me dance funk is like my shit and i was just i'd never heard this song before i'm still at that point in my goose career i've only seen them a handful of times too so when i see a show i often don't know a lot of the songs and it's so fun yeah yeah and and this just crazy like they're so dancey and you know one thing i love about goose is their ability to get into a pocket or a groove and just ride it and this song is like that it has like makes you feel like you're Got like bell bottoms on and like your giant sunglasses and you're like walking down the street like strutting like not giving a fuck because it's like seventies you know it's got that kind of like breakdown and the organs and the drum are just like talking to each other and it's just this is great builds to like a rocking peak and I think perfectly placed after Honeybee and then before this it burns within
1: probably was not a fan of the beginning of the song yeah and then by the end I sometimes I, they can turn me around. I have to listen through. I can't just be like, oh, fuck this. I don't like it. Like, I have to really kind of, I guess, pay attention, which is not one of my strong points. Um, and I yeah. do think that. I think that the construction of the set, like what you're talking about, I, I would not have any problem seeing this at the show, especially considering the venue, too. I think that probably adds a lot to it.
0: And it's Skinny, you know, it's funny you said that you didn't like the beginning of this the first time you heard it. I was kind of like that with Redbird.
1: That's crazy, because I love
0: Redbird. I didn't really like the beginning of it and then after I listened to it a few times heard a couple of different versions I was like all right yeah that's pretty good
2: it worms its way into your heart well because Peter has that kind of like childlike quality to his voice that I think you have to kind of get used to it's like how you have to get used to like Phil Lesh singing right or like not that he sounds childlike but you know the first time you hear it you're like whoa you know you're like what is that and then you know you hear it more and you're like oh actually this is nice and I think that's how Peter is too and And, God, Redbird is such an awesome jam vehicle that, like, just wait a minute. If you don't like simple, just wait a few minutes because you're going to go out of outer space, you know? Yeah, exactly.
1: I know. I guess I've learned over the years, like, to just be a little bit more patient. I'm not saying that I am.
2: Mm -hmm. Especially
1: for a new band, which we've talked a lot about. So, I'm like, I don't want to do a deep dive on how we listen or, like, how we've had to evolve just a tad. But, like, when you are trying to evolve, when you're listening to something new, you do have to give it a chance. Like, if you just kind of throw it to the side, well, you probably won't come back to it for quite a while unless somebody's like, no, 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 you really gotta check, you know what I mean? And how often is that gonna happen?
2: Well, that's when probably the best thing that's happened to me because of the podcast is that, you know, I've had to do like listening exercises, you know, like listen to all the tweezers or listen to a show from every year in Fish History like we're doing right now. And it's it's forced me to not listen to music only because it's nostalgic, but listen to music as a way to to learn or analyze it, which is something I never did before.
0: Are you a musician, Megan? Do you play any instruments or?
2: No, no. I used to sing and I dance, but I never, I never played music. And there's just something, yeah, it's weird. Like before I was on the pod, I, I listened to tons of music, but it was always very nostalgic or things that reminded me of times in my life or, you know, it wasn't, purposeful.
0: Trying to get in the feels sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Always. I'm always wanting to get into the feels. But I think for me, like being around people, Brian and Jonathan and RJ from HF Pod who are consume music on a way that is just absolutely next level, you know, they listen to everything that comes out. They, they know everything about music and, and learning from them and having them turn me on to stuff has been it's just such a, totally changed my life like I the way I listen to music now is so different and I've become so much more patient like you were saying Skinny like I just I listen to music in a different way and I'm just so grateful for it
1: yeah 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 you, if you turn it into a chore which I have a tendency to do <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs>
1: I mean you know how it's gonna turn out it's gonna suck because you're turning it into something that it's not because you're impatient with it so that's, yeah. I agree with that completely yeah
0: Well, and I think it can be a little intimidating, too. I mean, learning a new band, right? Especially we come from the Grateful Dead fish world where I've been cultivating my knowledge of those (laughs) bands for, you know, a couple of decades. Skinny's entering into his fourth decade or whatever of listening to, you know, the Grateful Dead and and other music from the 80s and stuff like that. And I think it can be intimidating to kind of dip your toe in i think we talked about that a little bit with rj when we had him on at the beginning of the season and he he did the goose at radio city show with us and learning a new catalog learning the way a band jams it's a lot of time you know it is a lot of patience you have to kind of find what the moments are that make it work for you and Mm -hmm. so it does require some searching and if you don't hit it right away you have a tendency to be like oh let me go Let me go listen to this last fish run. Exactly.
2: exactly. There's so much.
0: You know, I'm like trying to listen to, you know, this show and and others that we've had on. And I'm I'm always like winking at, you know, like the Live Fish app. What do you got for me? Like, let me go listen (laughs) to the Nassau Tweezer. You know, something like that that has that comfort. Now that we've gotten into Goose a lot more, you know, I'm starting to kind of develop that relationship with them. But I will say that Goose has also enabled me to or, or learning about goose has kind of opened my view a little bit to some of the other acts that are out there before really maybe last year like Fish in the grateful dead like almond brothers government mule like there's a lot of other things that are on the spectrum getting into a band like goose was intimidating there's a it's very tribal too, right? Oh, I
2: love that.
0: There's a lot of, there's a lot of gatekeeping. You got
1: to grow a mustache.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure. I just take a Sharpie or something. I'm sure that there are, you know, some gatekeepy goose fans that are like, why are all these fish people coming into the scene? Now bands playing, bigger venues and tickets mm-hmm. are tougher to get and so you, you know you can see how there's a little bit of that maybe resistance to new people coming in of which you know I and and we are a, mm-hmm. a couple of them and totally. you know after seeing i mean skinny saw his first grateful dead show in 1987 like for somebody to be like yeah Yo, you shouldn't be here cuz you're not and not that that's ever happened but like <laughs> that you can get
2: fuck i'm never going to make it then. you can
0: get that impression the way you know some people respond you know, when when you're new to a scene that already has uh, established itself a little bit, and I think I think Goose has done that. I don't like the name Honkers for for Goose fans. Goosers would be
1: bad too, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
2: I know it's really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard to find a good one, but but I do I do agree, and I think that it's funny when you think about it a thing that someone would gatekeep and not want to share because music is such a a collective thing you know but but that's why i chose the goose show to talk to you guys about and i just really appreciate that you were open to it because it's a stretch for me and i think that you know i love talking about fish and i do it every week i love to do it but it's so exciting to kind of push myself and have to talk about a band that I don't know about as, as much about so I think that yeah. I really appreciate you guys letting me do that and I think it's great that we can kind of all stretch ourselves a little here
1: every time we press record we stretch ourselves to the limit
0: this is our third, this is our third Go- goose show for this season
2: it's so. you guys watch out you're gonna become <laughs> a goose podcast
1: <laughs> they kind of wrap up with the burn within which I, I really liked again a new song which if I was at the venue that night I would be like I don't know what this is
2: same Same, I feel the same exact way. It's always a learning experience for me.
1: (laughs) But I really liked it a lot, specifically the songwriting and the lyrics in the front part of the song.
0: This was a little bit of a bust out too, Skinny. I don't know if you have the stat there, but this was the first time they had played it in, uh, what, 75 shows. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Megan, but I have this as a 2014 debut, but it was shelved from 2015 to 2020, and then they Mm -hmm. kind of brought it back. They've only played it seven times total.
2: I mean when you have a song this good and you're not busting it out, just this that shows how many great songs they have, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well and Skinny and I've talked a little bit about like shelving songs mm-hmm. and when a band takes something and that hits and then either it gets too complex to play, Skinny mentions Unbroken Chain and like maybe Jerry just you know was- too too much for him to do what you know what's the band's thinking obviously we're it's complete conjecture here but it was cool and again i think another great i love the setless construction here you get the bangers to start then you know a little bit of a breather with honeybee and then the jeff engborg is raging and then you get a little bit more of a you know a little bit of a breather before this monster butter rum
1: yeah that that butter rum is amazing
2: it's like 22, over 22 minutes. And this was a song I heard so much during quarantine. This is probably the most played Goose song in my house. I don't know why. It just would come up a lot and my whole family would sing it. You know, it was kind of like, it's very catchy. You know, it's got some that, crowd
0: like, participation, right? Everybody gets to woo.
2: Kind of dancey, right? Everybody's sing along moment. You know, I think that like Goose is really good at that. But it's a jam vehicle and I love that. And it's one of those songs that's like really happy, really islandy, really vacationy. And then we're going to go into this like hungry, really intense jam that becomes psychedelic. We're going to have like these swirly loops that grow. And then they're going to land in that repetitive rhythmic space that Goose can find, that not many bands can find. It's like this ability to to latch into this groove that's just really repetitive and to me really soothing as a dancer. It's something I really love. And you hear them making those like incredible incredibly beautiful layered soundscapes and it gets really dark and contemplative which is so fun when it comes out of like a happy song like butter rum it's just like yes and then talk about an ease back into the song i mean puns intended it's butter they just completely creep back in so effortlessly and you know we talked about that earlier but they really just have that satisfying i call it a homecoming it's like when you come back into the song and then everybody gets to sing along and the crowd was wild. I mean, just absolutely wild. I remember I turned to RJ after that set and I was like, oh my God. He's like, I know, I know, I know, I know. You know, we were just like, oh my God. And
1: hey, we've done that over the years.
2: <laughs> right? And the the flow, I think like you're saying, JW, like their ability to craft a set list in a show is pretty spectacular. I think it's well beyond their years as far as how long they've been a band they can just make a flow that is so perfect, and also maybe a little bit easier. I've never really thought about this, so I'm saying this off the cuff a little, but when you have a little bit of a smaller catalog, maybe that's a little bit easier. Like, I think I had been at the shows in Mexico for fish, and it's my first time going, and the shows were so, I had the best time of my life, but the shows were just okay, I felt. This flow completely blew me out of the water. I was like, wow, this is the best show I saw all year. And I think it's because of the flow. And wow. maybe it's...
0: It's high price.
2: I know. Well, I mean, it was only March, and I had only seen... I had really only seen Fish in, in Mexico.
0: Oh, okay. So that... I'm sorry. So so that's not up to... <laughs> oh, it's not. Yeah,
2: I, at that point. August, yeah. I, whatever, it's definitely okay. not the best show I've seen all year since then, because I just saw Fish at MSG. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I saw okay. some killer okay. shows this summer, gotcha. too. But I think the MSG run is just next level. But, um, right. right. I mean, wow.
0: Do they... Write a set list before the show, or we, like, what's their process? Are they a little bit more off the cuff, or you know, they start with something and then throw it away, and, you know, halfway through the set, or do you do you know kind of what their process is there?
2: Not from speaking to them, but from what I've seen, they write out set lists, but then they often will end up jamming way longer than they expected and cut gotcha. stuff. Okay. You know, that's all. I know before the show, I was like talking to coach, and he said. I love Slow Ready I think it's like the sexiest song in the whole entire universe and I really wanted to hear it and so I asked them I was like you know they hadn't played it in the four nights and so I didn't ask him I said I can't wait for Peter to lay on those synths tonight in Slow Ready and he was like looked at his set list and he was like yeah it's on there oh Um, but then they didn't end up playing so it you know it got cut so I, I don't know I know that they don't they jam things that they don't expect. You know, they just kind of take the ship where it goes. But right. I know they do walk on stage with some set lists, but I don't think they stick to it. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: They have a tendency. It seems like just based on what I've seen, and then what I've listened to, is they have a tendency to to really jam stuff out. Yeah. First two songs of the set are thirty minutes, right? And they only had three songs under ten. Am I correct?
2: Yeah. It's and, and it's like the end of this first set. This butter rum is. 20 almost 23 minutes and right. then the arrow starting set two is almost 23 minutes too so that's like 45 minutes of music right right <laughs> crazy like,
1: let me run down the first set since we are just about to talk about my favorite goose song actually which josh i don't know if you knew that i did not again goose set one from port chester new york on 312 23 starts off the set with time to flee indian river honeybee jeff engborg burn within, and then ends up with this really, really rocking Butter Rum. Like, if you haven't listened to that, you you, you get... I've seen Butter Rum a bunch. It's such a fun song, but this one blew doors off everyone I've
2: seen. Yeah, I agree.
1: J-Dub?
0: Absolutely. Second set from the Capitol Theater. I will say this real quick. Goose seems to play a lot on March 12th, so I am keeping my hopes up that maybe I'll get a Goose birthday show. I don't get a lot of birthday shows in.
2: I I don't know enough about Goose, but I think this is like a really good day in Goose history, too.
0: Mm, yes, I think they played another show the year before that I was looking at. I was like, I'm going to have to listen to that one, too. Yeah. All right, well, for this show, they open up the second set with Arrow, a western sun, into the mist, into white lights. Elmeg the Wise closes the set, and they encore with Empress of Organos, or is it Organos.
2: I think it's organos, but forever organos. I just saw oreganos, like forever, <laughs> <laughs> forever.
1: I do love oregano. Yeah. <laughs> I say organos. Like, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Maybe I should become like a different type of teacher. Like <laughs> teacher.
2: <laughs> it took
0: us a long time to learn how to say matavon. so...
2: That one took me a really long time. Yeah, I still hold my breath before I say.
0: Ryan it too. coached us up a little bit on that, and he also <laughs> said, "I said, oh wow, you know, look, five song set." He's like, uh, "Yeah, that's not a big deal in the goose world."
2: Ryan <laughs> will tell you. He
0: will. No, he knows. Sorry. He's. I. I said he's. He's uh, goose's Scott Marks.
2: He is. He really is. He really is. And I. And I really appreciate. It. All the work yeah. he does because I learned so much from him and his podcast, you know, Almost Always There is amazing. And, and writing that he's done about Goose and also Mark Camito who's written a lot about Goose, I just, I read both of them a lot and I've learned a lot from them. So definitely appreciate it.
0: Well, my, my I guess it was my second show, they played a really strong Arrow. This version here, um, an Arrow makes a pretty consistent appearance, I, I feel like, in Goose sets since its, since its debut in 2019. This jam peter's playing on the grand piano like stuck out to me in like the middle of it i was like like it really caught my ear to the point where yeah like i really didn't even hear what rick was doing i was just listening to peter and then rick layering in around what peter was playing hit my ear and oh man christian i know why you like this song so much
1: yeah, and that's that all I need arrow, the show you were at. So I was like, okay, well, I'll check out the show that JW is at. And then it's funny, Megan, that you mentioned the slow ready. So I watched that from the Greek and I was like, shit, I got to prepare for the show. You know what? I, like I had to stop in the middle. I'm like, fuck. It's really good. <laughs> I love that. It's the singers that he had. I forget their names from the Greek. I guess it was 22. Anyway, I can't remember, but it was so amazing. But I had to change it back and I'm like, okay. And I'm listening to the arrow, watching it from the cap. Now I know why I like this song. You could see just the crowd get into that right away. And I just think, again, lyrically, it's really good. It always seems to probably be, and I could be wrong statistically about this, but I don't really give a shit. It always seems to be another kind of jam vehicle that will go and go and go. It could go on forever, really. Like you said, they sit in a certain pocket or a certain groove, which I saw at Peach. And I could sit here and live in this for like the next 10 minutes if they would do it. I know they're going to not, but when <laughs> they do, it's it's something. This arrow is really cool. Yeah. Great YouTube on on this. I love the, the camera work and, and just seeing what the cap really looked like. For me, it was all-encompassing because I got to see like, okay, I got the vibe of what Megan was talking about. This is why she wants to do the show.
2: Yeah, I got to, I went on the floor for this song to be with my friends and... I love dancing to this song you know it's on drip field. it's just a song right now that I think really like shows so much of what they do well wow. all the things you guys were mentioning that section with Peter you know thinking about someone who learned to play keys basically to be in this band you know he's he's a guitarist and a songwriter and here he is just doing all this incredible ascending and descending work on the piano that just really just really stands out and yeah I think the jam's super conversational and just how badass to like end the set with this huge jam and then come out and just lay another one down like it's just nothing. And and then it goes into definitely top five goose song for me. A Western Sun is probably one of the most beautiful songs. This is a song, when I hear it, I'm like, it reminds me of Bob Dylan in the way that hmm it's a narrative that you can like lock onto and actually like picture the use of imagery and metaphors and similes. Like it's just so effective. It has this narrative arc of this, you know, this wisdom being passed down from like someone who's gone and Rick lost his father when he was younger. And and knowing that he writes from that place and uses that as a way to kind of share about himself through his music is just so moving. And It also has that lyrical hook that's just so catchy. Go everywhere, feel everything, see everyone you want, yourself. Nothing's lost if all you've held. I mean, wow, it's just, I love this. If people haven't listened to the version from June 15th, 2021, it's a Western Sun into Echo of a Rose. It's almost 53 minutes of music and it is jaw dropping, just absolutely yeah. incredible. So I would definitely recommend people listen to that if you haven't.
1: I was wondering when you were going to drop a wreck.
2: <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. I'm not a big into wrecks, but this is it.
0: Peter has another just absolutely silky smooth, emotional solo and it's in like the, the beginning of, like it's in the first couple minutes I think one of the things that i really like about goose is their lyrics really match up with the emotion that they're playing the the music with whether it's tempo or yeah, yeah we're not i'm not a musician so you know some of those technical things i don't know about but how they bring that together i think it's one of the things that really kind of makes them stand out a little bit is is the way they bridge those two things. And then Into the Mist I feel like was is another one of those types of tunes where they're doing a bunch of different things. Like Rick gets into a little bit of the auto tune there. And I'm not the biggest fan of that, but I think it's cool that they do it and they mess around with the sound like that. And it does it makes the sound their own, you know, and I think you kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier when you were talking about their influences and, and taking influences and making it sound like your own and I think Into the Mist is a, is a good tune that kind of brings some of that together here as well Yeah, and I think it's interesting again we're talking about set list structure this sets basically bookended with almost a 22 minute arrow and then you know a 15 plus Elmeg. so and then you've got a little bit of a you know the slower piece with Western Sun and then into the mist and white lights like that's a 30 minute sandwich in the middle of the show they go right into the white lights from into the mist and that, that's just so much fun like it's just so much fun
2: I think I think this set is perfect like this is a perfectly constructed set and what I just want to touch on what you were saying about their lyrics matching the mood of their music because I think that's really poignant and I think it it gives them a pop sensibility and makes them more listenable i think that's why my family can be like i'd rather listen to goose than fish because they're more it's more accessible in that sense of like being able to say like this is this is what we're singing about and this is the mood it's in you know that's what like taylor swift does so perfectly you know you think of a pop song it's because it it makes you feel a certain way and the lyrics are matching that and i think that yeah i really do i've never really thought about that being one of the things that fish does or fish goose does so well and i think you nailed it with that. It really it really stands out to me. And Into the Mist is like perfect, like Peter Gabriel sting song. The first time I heard this, I'm like, has this song been around forever? Like I, I could immediately picture myself like slow dancing awkwardly with like a boy in middle school with like my arms on their shoulders. You know?
1: To Caribbean Queen by Billy Ocean.
0: <laughs>
2: exactly, I was like, this is so classic sounding. It's just got those rounded edges, those smooth transitions, got Rick's dreamy voice. This is just rhythmic loops it's just so this is one of the things I love about goose this a song like into the mist. Nobody else in the jam scene does things like this and and I and I love it and like you said the the segue into white lights is just just barely even notice it and Peter again with that kind of childlike innocence, Starting the song out, and then Rick comes in with the the chorus, white lights, and it's like ah, oh, it's so dreamy. It's just like oh, it's so good. I love it.
1: They remind me a little bit, some like into the mist. The beginning changes that, like early Duran Duran, even like a little bit of uh reminds me of the Cure, like standing on a
2: totally, piano. yeah. If they
1: played that acoustic, I'd I'd love to hear that because I'd be like, that sounds like the Cure. I get all those. 80s feels from them too and I think that's what also makes them relatable I mean if anything is a culture in America we certainly always go back to what was once popular right like yes. think about the 2010s and 2020s like what's been innovative other than like zoom or something you know what I mean <laughs> clothing or culturally like that's really invaded the culture like you know coke zero or like all that other shit when we grew up now it's there's nothing really other to do except go back in time and I think they they really have something there because they do that very well and somebody like me I'm like I'm all about that because it's the, the nostalgia hits that experience that you were talking about earlier the the emotion matches like the way that I grew up or I understand or whatever it may be
2: Yeah, in the same way that like Fish was, you know, listening to classic rock and Led Zeppelin and, you know, and prog rock and pulling from that. And these guys are, you know, they're listening to 80s music, you know, when they were kids. And so that's the stuff that's hitting them and they're bringing back too. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Love them.
0: Yeah, their covers, and we've talked about this a few times previously too, the covers that they can bring to the floor, although there were no covers in this show.
2: Wow, that didn't occur to me until right now, because I think one of the things they do really well are their covers, but they don't, there's not a single one, which is also pretty badass.
1: Yeah, very, especially for the last night of the run.
2: Right? Yeah. Which,
1: I was going to ask you if you thought there was something maybe lyrically thematic in the second set, because you would probably know better than I would, but just on paper, it seems, especially when they end with Elmeg the Wise, which seems to be this very like, mystical lyrics like the, the way the song is constructed
0: that's one of my favorite Goose tunes is Elmig. Uh, yeah, Elmig and Thatch is are it? currently holding yeah. down, I think the top the top two spots for me
2: from what I understand it's like a special occasion song that they play it when it's like a special occasion um, it was written with St. John's Revival which is like Rick's band before Vasudo so like three bands ago and one of what's cool about this song is like one of the earliest performances of this song It's the second, according to algoose.net, was in Garcia's at the Cap in 2017 and it's just, it's so cool. Yeah, it's only been played 17 times by the band since 2016, and it's more emotionally weighty, so this comparison might not make sense, but it's kind of like when Fish comes out for encore and plays Sleeping Monkey, you're like giving us like a special moment, you know, and and I think that that's what this song really is.
0: I've seen
1: it twice now, actually. We saw it in Reading.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, sorry to cut you off, Skinny, but it did, it was the second to last tune that they played at Reading, and that was the last night of the tab goose tour so that actually um lines up what was the second time you saw it again oh shit i
1: don't know maybe i've only seen it once i thought i saw it twice i don't know you're the fucking stats guy
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know your shows <laughs> i'm talking my stats all right i don't
2: know <laughs> yeah really calling you out on stats I think that kind of like speaks to the fact that they are having a lot more kind of special occasions these days, you know, like playing a tour with Trey, pretty fucking special occasion, you know, like closing out a five night run at the cap, pretty big deal. You know, it's, yeah, it's just maybe speaking to that, but yeah, this is a really great song. It's beautiful. And, and I love that they encored with Empress. I remember texting Brian and Brinkman and Ryan Storm and being like, so I guess I'm not getting my slow ready, you know? And they were like, you're not because you're getting Empress because this is like the yeah. feel-good celebrations, the crowd clapping. You've got that incredible, you know, chorus, you know, oh, what a day to be living. You know, you've got the Trevor bass solo. That was such an awesome moment when there's like the spotlight just on him and he just, it just, oh, it's so nice. And I had that great peak at the end. This was a real, there was nothing else but to end the run with this, done with this, it was perfect.
0: It's like, You know, ending with Tweezer reprise almost.
2: Exactly. It's the
0: cap on the run and it leaves everybody, I think, heading home ecstatic. And I mean, and after this whole show, but the encore is, I think, in a lot of cases where you might get your first impression walking out of a show, right? Because, you know, if they play...
1: Or you're walking out completely and not hearing it, like me.
0: <laughs> right. Or if you miss the encore completely, there might actually be some method to your madness there. Because <laughs> if the encore sucks, you'll you know you don't have to worry right? about. Right. No. But I- I- in all seriousness, you know you're walking out after this, and I think it really was the perfect way to end this run of five incredible shows with an absolute banger of a night five. Let me go through the second set real quick from Goose at the Capitol Theater on my birthday, March 12th, 2023. They open the second set with Arrow, a western sun, Into the Mist, into White Lights. Elmeg the Wise closes out the second set and then Empress of Oreganos or Organos or Organs, whatever you want to call it closes out an 18 almost uh 19 minute version there to wrap up an amazing show at the capitol theater in port chester no covers which i thought was interesting i did not go back and look at all of the rest of the sets from this show when i was at the 9:30 club they did nights in white satin and it's not like i had followed set lists for goose to know that that had even been in the mix and I said, that's *Nights in White Satin*. I was blown away, and then they also did a *Love Light* encore that show. So
1: the Hollywood nights at Peach was damn good, dude. I, yeah, yeah, it was amazing.
0: And then what was the cover at *The Chrysalis Skinny* that you always talk about?
1: *Shamalama Ding Dong* the yeah. night before, which is if you haven't listened to that, that's on fire. Uh, Pat Benatar's yeah, one. Pat Benatar. That's who it was.
2: Yeah, their their covers are incredible, and this band that can cover the Grateful Dead. Pat Benatar, Four Non Blondes, Blind Melon. They cover, like, so many, this diverse array of covers. It's so funny that I hadn't realized that there was no covers, but I really do think it's a statement, whereas, like, we can play Five Nights at the Cap, and we can, our last night is going to have no covers, and it's just going to be fucking killer. I mean, I think this show is... Really one of my favorite shows I've seen. I mean, I've from them and honestly, definitely one of the top shows I saw this year. I'm not going to say the top.
1: There's no rankings here on Stuff Me Down. <laughs> Put this in, in my personal rotation so that I can, because there's a lot of highlights in here. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great show. I'm
0: glad you picked it. Yeah. Goose is going to be jumping back on the road in September, uh, September 13th and 14th. They're going to be playing a couple of nights in Boston. They've got a Halloween run. They've got Goosemess at Hampton. They have 32 shows by my count left um, that are on the books for 2023. And that includes, I don't know how many dates they're doing, but they're doing a Euro tour.
2: Yeah, A pretty big one that the shows were selling out they had to like relocate to bigger venues
0: and they've already played 69 shows this year
2: and they recorded another album and they
0: also released the salt shed show that show is ridiculous
2: oh my god that show is so good the sound check from that show the soundcheck I have played a hundred times it is so funky and so good it's so good I would definitely recommend listening to it but yeah I'm gonna see them at Red Rocks and at Hampton this year I can't believe they're playing Hampton I've never been to Hampton
0: you've never been
2: no I've never been I know I mean I really want to see fish there obviously but I'm um, I'll go to the mothership juice for sure but I'm really excited give
1: you a quote from from Josh about the mothership because I hadn't been there and my first time I went there was 2013 And I was like, so what's it all about in here or whatever? He's like, see those curtains? And I was like, yeah. He's like, once those curtains get drawn, (laughs) everything happens in here. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking lawless. (laughs)
2: That's amazing.
0: I absolutely love Madison Square Garden, but there's no venue like the mothership.
2: Really? Yeah. Okay, well, this is, you know, I'm a serious MSG girl, so this is going to be a real testament to, uh, to my love for MSG, it sounds like.
0: One of our buddies, um, our buddy Pummelhorse, Horse, who we affectionately call Pummel Horse, his name is Greg, he <laughs> said, he was at Fish's first show at Hampton, and he said, and so he, when he was like, oh, Goose is playing Hampton for Miss, he's like... I saw Fish their first show there. I'm not going to miss Goose for their first show there. And so that was actually like a little bit of a selling point. Yeah. And then my wife was like, let's go to Goosemas. And I was like,
2: okay. Nice.
0: And we already had Billy Strings tickets. So we're getting rid of the Billy Strings tickets. We had two nights of Billy Strings so that we can go to Two Nights of Goose in Hampton. Hey, Megan, we are just so grateful for you coming on and um, spending some time talking about Goose with us and HF Pod and all the stuff you do. It's so cool. You're an amazing voice in the community, and it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. We loved meeting you up in New York. As Skinny and I said when we started this podcast a few years ago, obviously, we we didn't have the connection with each other. We were in lockdown. We weren't seeing any music. Um, But one of the things, you know, once we got rolling was making new friends, and um, we definitely can count you as one of those. We're just so grateful for your time and uh, interest coming on and,
2: and chatting with us today. Honestly, it was my pleasure. I can't thank you enough for having me. Like I said, everybody's been so supportive and it just means a lot to me. So I'm glad to do it and and I'll come back anytime you'll have me.
1: Yeah, we, we would definitely like to do that. Again, I'll start the end of the episode with, you know, we have so much gratitude when we reach out to people like yourself who are extremely busy. And also have a career.
2: Kind of. Kind of.
1: (laughs) You know, you're about to start school too, so I don't mean to bring the podcast down like Josh did. (laughs) We're really thankful and I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for being on.
2: No, thank you. This has been so much fun. It's like, you know, this is what I like love to do. So this is a great way to spend the end of my summer break.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. No doubt. Skinny, we don't need to cover fan designs. We talked about Scott at the beginning of the show. Go check out his stuff. He's got a Etsy shop, just Google fan designs. I don't know if I remember this the last, or excuse me, if I mentioned this the last time around, but I ran into Carrie from Miss Bliss Designs when we were in Pittsburgh from The Lot by Primal Soup. She was on an episode in season two. Her and Craig from The Lot stubbed us down on 8 9 98 when Fish played the Terrapin Station Encore on the third anniversary of Jerry's passing, and it was great to see her ton of amazing gear on Miss Bliss designs and I actually did get a shirt that says one point old
1: oh I am too actually but
0: the lyric on the back skinny I got mainly because I can't wait to wear the shirt in front of you because it says the old man knows very well from Mound and Skinny is not a fan of the song Mound so I saw it and uh, it was great to see Carrie. Uh, Hope you're doing well and um, always great to see you know the lot shops actually on the lot and be in that environment. There's there's nothing else like it.
1: You can stand behind me when you have that shirt on because I don't like that song. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I will be out at Dick's um, for nights two, three, and four. So hopefully we'll catch you, reach out, and touch base if you're going to be out there. We'd love to see you and uh, give you a sticker. If you want to check us out on the socials, you can follow us at stub underscore me underscore down on Twitter uh, or X, whatever that's called now. (laughs) Threads, if you're on Threads, Instagram, reddit even though skinny doesn't know what reddit is but check us out give us a follow give us some shit we're orioles fans orioles are tearing it up so you can talk some baseball with us too
1: what kind of shit are they going to give us that we're in first place
0: no i just meant in general about maybe our musical opinions okay (laughs) well that's fine (laughs) dms are open let's not go there give the people where they can find you um and um once again the podcast that you're on so they can check out what you're doing
2: Yeah, thanks. Check out HF Pod. We are right now involved in our 40 for 40 series where we're taking a look at a show from every year of Fish. And it's just been an incredible way to look through the years and look back on the band. We contextualize where the band was, what was going on in pop culture, and talk through the show. And it's just been honestly something I'm really, really proud of. And also, we so that usually goes up on Fridays, but we've been keeping it loose this summer. You never really know, but we're I'm always posting about it on socials when we're going to be up. And then um, we do quick hits. So when Fish is on tour, we usually have a show the day after where we run through the set and talk about highlights and talk about the show. So that's been really fun too. So we'll be doing that after Dix, I'm sure, um, and all the fall tour as well. And then Things of Gold is we are just about to release our 12th episode. So that will be a wrap on the first season. And you can see all those anywhere you find podcasts. Terrific.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. God, you are busy. How are you gonna do this while you're teaching third graders?
2: Last year was really intense. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, it's it's okay. You know, like, luckily, the third grade content is manageable and I've been doing it for a while so you know it's not like I'm teaching uh physics so I can I can yeah yeah
1: well wait a minute it doesn't matter you're a pro it's not like you're grading like shitty papers like I got it though you're fine
2: right (laughs) I don't even give grades so it's easy
0: (laughs) Amazing, amazing. Well, we are so appreciative of Megan joining us today. Skinny, great job as always. I love you, brother. Happy birthday. And thank you for checking us out here on Stummy Down. We are always grateful for our fans. And we've got one more episode on season four. We're already lining up uh, our guests for season five. So you're not going to get rid of us quite yet for that. We're grateful. Thanks again for checking us out here on Stummy Down, and we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Megan.
2: Thanks, guys.